your car, your business, your job, if you were to lose your kids, your family, what would you do? Would you give up? Or would you rebuild? Would you rebuild your life? I heard a story a couple weeks ago. Two pastors in South Africa. Their names were Fred Roberts and Neville McDonald. And about 25 years ago, these two guys worked together at a church. Fred Roberts was the senior pastor, Neville was the associate. And in South Africa, at least at that time, uh, whites and blacks and colored and I think it's the Mauritian, the Indians, they were segregated because of the apartheid. They were not allowed to worship together. And so the, you know, there was white churches and black churches and colored churches and Indian churches. Well, Fred and Neville, God started to open their eyes to, to see beyond that and to open up their arms and and they started to welcome all colors, all races into their church. And God had blessed them. They were a church of about 700 at that time. And, but the law of the land said that there was to be separation. So both of these pastors in one week got arrested and uh, were put into jail because they were opening their arms to all these different folks. And uh, it's interesting, they were released and they went back to church just planning on just continuing to do what God had put on their hearts. And that Sunday, the superintendent over their church, over their, their uh, movement, showed up to church and talked with uh, them before church and said, hey, if you don't ask the colored and the blacks and the Mauritian to leave, um, we're going to ask you to leave. And Fred and Neville, they said, this is, God is... He's the God of, for everyone. We want to worship together. This is the vision that God has given us. It's interesting. The superintendent stood up that day and said, your pastors, as of this morning, have been released from their duties. Both pastors lost their books, their study. They weren't allowed to go back to their offices. They lost their homes because both lived in a parsonage at that time. Both of their families were asked to leave. And later they said, okay, and now all the blacks and all the colored, anyone else that's not white, please leave now. Well, motivated by love, Fred and Neville, they, they came together with five other families, pooled their assets, pulled it together, and a few weeks later they rented a movie theater and God started to move in their lives. Fred and Neville with these five others, on their first Sunday, they had 125. A year later, there were 15 pastors that were raised up out of that group and sent out. And today, Fred and Neville, they don't worship together. Fred Roberts is in Durban with a church of over 10,000 people. And Neville McDonald is in Cape Town, South Africa, with a church of about 5,000. With 150 churches that had been planted out of that. And God has done an incredible thing, all motivated by the love of God. Isn't that a neat story? What would you do if you lost everything? Literally. If you lost your family, if you lost your business, if you lost your home, if you lost your car. And some of you are saying, I've lost some of those things. Would you give up? 
Or would you rebuild your life? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says there's three things that remain. It's interesting, these are actually listed in reverse order of importance as we look at it theologically. But it says there's faith, there's hope, and there's love. And the greatest of these is love. Last week we talked about love, how it can keep us out of trouble with God. As we looked at love compared to the Ten Commandments, the first, ten, first four commandments, and how it can help us even, our love can help us with our relationship with others, and how it can make a difference looking at commandment five through six. We said last week that love, everything motivated by love, will what? Succeed, right? That if you're motivated, if your motivation deep down inside is love, whatever you put your hand to do will succeed. And then I left you with some homework last week. Some of you were here, some of you weren't, so I'll just share these real quick. The first thing I said is that we as believers, for those that have accepted Christ, we have to understand that Romans 5.5 says that, that the love of Christ is inside of us. And so we need to choose to walk in love. The second thing we said is that we said, oh, how do we measure up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love, at least the portion that's talked specifically about love. And we're going to read that in a minute, and I challenge you, as we read through those things, how do you measure up? The third thing, as I said, as homework, was to practice overlooking faults. Love covers sin, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, Jessica and I, we had the opportunity to go out to eat uh, with a, a couple families after church last Sunday, and uh, some, some of the guys caught on to this one. And their, their wife was saying something, uh, you, know, you know, hey, can't you get this right? Or, you know, boy, you're always not. And uh, he says, hey, 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 didn't you listen to pastor's sermon? Love covers, Let, you know, practice overlooking my faults. And he, and he thought that was a good idea. And, uh, and you might want to pick up on that if you didn't pick up on that last week and use that one this week. And then the last thing we said is to practice sacrifice. Give. John 3.16, God loved the world, so he gave. And uh, we are to give uh, for no other reason than for love. Well, this morning, I want to continue this idea of love. Uh, a second look. And uh, understanding that love, God, God's love was right from the beginning. And, and God encourages us right from the beginning, not only to love him, but to love others. And I want to, God just kind of put this little phrase in my heart uh, this week, and it's nothing profound, but, but I, I just believe that as we, uh, as we hear it, as we understand it, that it will really motivate us, and uh, hopefully it'll be something that rings true in your heart and in your minds. It's simply this, love. Say it, show it. Love. Say it, show it. And as we kind of look uh, today, at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and then we'll make our way to uh, 1 John chapter 3. Uh, we'll see exactly what we're talking about here. If you're at, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we know about the Corinth church. It was on Paul's second missionary journey that he made his way to, um, to Corinth and planted a church there. Now Corinth at that time was infected by all kinds of immorality and evil, it was a Greek culture. They were proud, really proud of their learning, of their philosophy. How many in school at some point you know, read something you know, from that period of time? The Greeks, you know, they wrote things, they philosophized. Uh, Shakespeare and, and all those types of things you know, are out of that culture, um, of the Greek culture. 
And it's interesting that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul, as he's writing to them, he understands that it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a society that values knowledge. But he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, he says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And he was saying, look, you know, knowledge is okay, but don't let it just fill you up. And, uh, you know, it puffs you up, but, but love is what builds. And that's what he's talking about here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's two parts in Corinthians if you study the book as a whole. The first part is really the first 11 chapters. It's uh, Paul's encouragement to clean up the church and because it was so immoral. And he talked about topics like div- the division in the church and immorality and lawsuits and marriage and, and idols. And he talks about Israel's past. And then he, we get to chapter 11. The, uh, at the end of 11, he t- he's encouraging the church to, to remember the, the Israel's past. But then he says, look, don't stop taking communion. Don't stop meeting together. And when you do, he says to examine your heart. And, and that's where we you know, get our communion passage that uh, most times when we do communion, we look there. The second part of 1 Corinthians is chapter 12 through 16 is more of a doctrinal instruction and an advice about spiritual gifts. Because the Spirit of God was active in the early church, it was planted with the Spirit of God in, uh, embedded inside the church, but there were some exaggerations or they were getting away from the core. And, uh, and Paul was instructing and giving some encouragement about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it starts off, it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then he goes through and he lists them, and we won't talk about those uh, today, it, um, through verse 11. And it, there's, there's gifts of the Spirit that are given to the church. Then he comes in and talks about verse 12 through the rest of the chapter, that the, the body of Christ is one body but many parts, and each of us have a part to play. And we understand that. And then he comes to the end, he says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? But he, then he says, but desire the greater gifts. And then we'll pick up in chapter 13, which we read last week. It says, now I will show you a most excellent way. Chapter 13, verse 1. He says, if I speak in a tongue of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. The idea there is that, look, you can be filled with the Spirit and even speak in another tongue, but man, you don't have love. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, speaking of these other gifts that we, just, that we saw you would see in chapter 12. It says, if I have faith to, that can move a mountain, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is important. And now here, I want you to put your name where it says love. I'll read it as love, but think about this. How do you measure up to this in your life? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And let's say this together. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, he's going back to this idea that there are spiritual gifts. He says, where there are prophecies, they will cease. When will they cease? When Christ returns, right? Where there are tongues, they will be stilled when Christ returns. 
Where there is knowledge, it will be passed away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, this side of eternity. But when perfection comes, when Christ comes back, the imperfect will disappear. And we all say, thank the Lord for that. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. In verse 13 says, and now these three things remain, these three things uh, um, abide or um, uh, endure, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And then he picks up back in this idea, verse chapter 14, uh, of spiritual gifts. He says, now follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And so we have this chapter kind of nestled between these gifts, the spiritual gifts and the body being one. And the encouragement is, now I'll show you, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and I'll show you a most excellent way. And it starts with love. Faith, hope, and love are somewhat intangible things to measure. Would we agree? They're hard to get our hands around at times. But you put those things together and there are tangible results that God wants to see in your life. And as we look at these, the love is what motivates us. And we'll look next week at hope is a vision that God will give us, impart into us. And then we'll come to faith, which is the action part. And you put the love that motivates and with the vision and with action, there will be success. Verse 18 says, or I'm sorry, First uh, John chapter 3 I want you to turn there with me, and we'll look at verse 18 first. It says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and, and in truth. If you back that up and look at the very uh, chapter 3, verse 11, it starts off this passage saying, In this message, uh, uh, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. And you say, well, what, what is he talking about here? Uh, John writing, uh, to the church. Well, if you look through the Old Testament and even all the way through the New Testament, we're encouraged to love our neighbors in Leviticus 19.18. Deuteronomy 6.5 says to love God with all your might. Uh, Deuteronomy 10.12 says to love God and walk in His ways. Joshua 22.5 uh, encourages us to love. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says to love one another deeply. From the very beginning of time through the end, our job is to love God and to love others. And of course, when Jesus was asked in, in the New Testament, what is the greatest commandment? He said, all the law and the prophets are summed up in this, to love God and to love others. And we talk about that a lot because it relates to our vision uh, and our, our mission here at the church is to connect with God, connect with each other. That, that comes right from Matthew twenty two eighteen to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. The third piece there, connecting with the world, has to deal with the, the Great Commission to go and to make disciples, and that's our responsibility to do that. But here in First uh, John chapter 3, it says here, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. It says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. 
We know that we have passed from death to life. It's, uh, the idea that if we've given our hearts to the Lord, we are no longer dead in our sin, but we're alive in Christ, right? It says, because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? And then verse 18, which I read first, says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongues. Now, let me stop there for a second. I looked this up in several different versions because I thought, man, you know, aren't we supposed to you know, tell people we love each other? Absolutely. In fact, the idea here in the Greek is that we are not to love with words merely or our tongues merely, but also with action and in truth. And we're going to look at this. This idea that we are to love it's not just with our words alone, but with action. And what I want us to walk away saying is that we need to say, I love you. And we need to show that we love not only God, but that we love others. Now with God, we can say, I love you, Lord. And I want to encourage us as believers that this would be something that would roll off our tongue today and for the next several days, that we would roll over in bed and say, God, I love you, to affirm him. You may want to write it out in a, in, in a way or draw a picture of, of your love for God. But how many know God loves to hear his children say, I love you? How many of you are parents? Just quick, uh, quick hand. All right. There's several of us. Um, and how many are a kid? You have a parent. That's the rest of us, right? If you're a kid and you want to uh, you know, see your parents light up, you go to them and say, I love you. When my parents hear those words come out of my mouth, they love it. They light up. And parents, would we say that that's true? When Reagan or Logan come up and snuggle up to me or up to Jessica and say, Mommy, I love you, or Daddy, I love you, they, they could ask for anything after that point, and we're going to give it to them because it does something inside of us. Is there any difference with our Heavenly Father? We need to say, I love you, Lord. I love you, God. But not only should we say it, we need to show it with God. Our habits, our treasure, spiritual discipline. In our, we can show it through our ministry, through the dreams that God has put us. And I believe that we can show our love for God as we consider God in our everyday decisions. What would God say or what would God do in this circumstances? So with God, to say, I love you and to show, I love you. I believe with others, we need to say, I love you without any strings attached. I know for guys, sometimes it's hard to say, I love you. We, we, we will shorten it or we'll add something on, I love you, man. <laughs> or, uh, you know, I love you, but, or I love you because, <laughs> you know, you fill in the blank. But just to say, I love you, that doesn't necessarily come easy for maybe for any of us. I know for guys, for me, it, that, that's not something easy. But we need to learn to say, to say it. I love you with no strings attached. Nothing added on. 
and also to show it. Serving, sacrificing, giving. Uh, and you say, man, I don't know if I could do this. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says it's Christ's love that will compel us to do this. It's not on our own strength to say it or to show it. It's when God puts it in our hearts and, and through Him we are able to do it. Now, I want to look at this and I understand that all of us are on, uh, on a different journey or at different stages of our journey in our walk with the Lord. And my heart is, is that as I speak, there, there, as I understand, as we look at this loving God, saying I love you, showing God our love, I want to challenge us to really consider how are we doing. There are some here, I just believe, that have lost their love God. Maybe at one point in your life you had had a relationship and there was a, there was a strength there, but maybe your love has weaned. Maybe your current situation, the, 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 uh, just the facts of life have burdened you down. Your loss of a job or a loss of a girlfriend or a loss of uh, a son or a daughter to the world and you're questioning God, and you're, you're, you've, you've put up these things. I've got a really good friend. I've talked about it on Wednesday nights a little bit. Uh, I won't tell you his name because I'm believing he's going to come to church sometime. But he, he often talks. Um, I meet with him uh, you know, once, or, once a week at least, and, and he says, you know, and he, he's uh, got a, a recovery background, and so he's, uh, he talks about his higher power. And he says, me and my higher power, uh, we're just not getting along. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and some of us, we can, we can understand that. And, uh, you know, for what, especially in his circumstances, it's like, okay, you know, I, I've done my best, but, but man, we're just not getting along. Perhaps you stopped being obedient to what God says. Maybe with your tithes or with your offerings or with your church attendance, maybe it's been real sporadic. And your relationship with God today may not be where it was at one point. I know there are some that you say, man, today it's, it's the greatest my relationship's ever been. And I, I love that. We applaud that. And we want to come alongside that. But my encouragement to us, no matter where we are in our walk with the Lord, my encouragement is for you and for me to say, I love you to our Lord, to our Heavenly Father. And then also to show our love towards Him. I believe that there is no relationship with our Heavenly Father that does not have the possibility to be restored. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, who you've hurt. Uh, God is a restoring God. My encouragement is for you to come back to Him. There's a promise in God's Word that as you seek Him, He will find you. you he will fill you up. And he'll give you direction for your life. He'll give you hope for your family, for your business, for your life. Our relationship with God matters. I understand that this may seem basic, but I just sense in my spirit that there are some here that have been cruising through life on autopilot and have neglected their walk with the Lord. And this morning is a wake-up call. Love God. Show him your love. Tell him you love him. Even if you don't feel it, say it and show it. The other piece is with others. And this is where it becomes even maybe more personal. I'm wondering how many of us have lost our love 
for others. Maybe those even closest to us. Maybe you've been burned or disillusioned. Maybe you've lost trust. Maybe you never had trust. I don't know. Maybe you've lost hope. And what happens in our lives when we walk through life and our relationships are strained, they're maybe broken, what happens is we start to build up these walls around us. We begin to isolate. And, I, and I've seen this in my life. And, uh, or it's like, you know, you ever seen those big fat suits that you can kind of get in and, you know, you fight each other? You're not going to get to the core, right? But you just bump up against people. And, yeah, yeah I'm touching people, I, you know, but it's, they're not touching you. And you're going through life on your own. And this morning, I want, to, I want you to say, I love you to those that maybe have hurt you. That God would prompt in your spirit to say, I love you to those that have accused you or those that have attacked you. You know, life is tough sometimes and, and uh, you know, life kind of chips away at us and there's this attack. And, but I'll tell you this, if you lose your love for others, your life will crumble. Your ministry will crumble. Your family will crumble. You put it in the, in the blanks. If you lose love, you will not succeed. I believe there are some that need to say, I love you to your kids. Some here need to call up your mom and dad and say, I love you. My question is, is when is the last time you told someone, I love you? There may be, very realistically, someone here that does not normally say, I love you with no strings attached. And today, I want to encourage us. Could God put it in our spirit, could put it in our hearts to love, to say it, to show it? When is the last time you showed love to someone? And uh, my encouragement is that we need this. There was an evangelist a few years back. His name was A.A. A. Allen. You may have heard of him. He was really, really popular for some time. Signs and wonders. I, I understand, and I've, I've not uh, documented this or like went back to research this, but I heard that uh, in his, at the prime of his ministry, there was a guy that came and uh, prayed, and uh, he was like a 400-pound man, big guy, and uh, he actually like deflated <laughs> as they prayed for him. And, uh, and I mean, think about that. I mean, if you, your ministry, if you were not known before that, you know, I mean, that'd be all over. Weight loss plan, come to my service, right? I mean, that'd be pretty incredible. But as A.A. Allen, uh, you know, regardless you know, of what happened in that situation, signs and wonders were following him. But how many know when you're being used by God, you've got a target on your back at times? And he was attacked and criticized. Uh, people would question his integrity. And uh, there was this guy that came up to him and, and said, you know, he was another prophet, and said, there are six sins, six sins uh, in your life that you need to deal with. Well, A.A. Allen at that point kind of lost some vision and, and uh, he started to focus on his weakness. And how many know that if you focus on your weakness, weaknesses too long, 
you get weaker. And uh, he stopped focusing on his strengths and, and uh, what ended up happening, he, ended, he was uh, traveling and uh, went to a party store, bought some liquor and, uh, and ended up turning into an alcoholic, lost his ministry, lost everything. A.A. A. Allen, um, you know, he lost his faith, his hope, his love and uh, ended up homeless in San Diego. Scruffy, lost, and uh, ended up dying homeless on the streets of San Diego because he lost his sense of love for the Lord. He lost his sense for love for others. The criticism was too great. My question to you is, if you lost everything, would you turn to love? Would you turn to God? Would you turn to your love for others? Or whatever circumstances you might find yourself in this morning, are you willing to take God's word from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, and say, if love is the greatest, I want love in my life. I want to love others. I want to love God. I want to say it. I want to show it. This morning, I want us to consider that in our hearts. And I want you to know that no matter what you've done, where you've been, again, God is a restoring God. He wants to restore a relationship with you. And then I know that no matter what kind of relationships you've burned, no matter what bridges have been torn down, I believe that restoration is possible. Love never fails. Love never fails. We are called to love. We're called to say it. And we're called to show it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come. This morning, a simple message of love. That we are to say it, we are to show it. But my heart is, is that it would not just go in one ear and out the next, but we would take some time this morning to reflect on what God might be saying to us. I believe that God may be speaking to some of us about your relationship or about our relationship with Him. And there may be areas in our lives where sin has crept in or where there's been disobedience in certain areas and the Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention. He wants to restore that relationship. I believe there's others that, as we talk, you, you know there are relationships in your life that have been strained or broken. And there's a principle that we learned on Wednesday nights, that he who is, who is more mature should move first. <laughs> if, if you're in our Wednesday night class, and uh, God is calling you. He's prompting in your hearts to start to bridge that gap where things have been broken. There are, there are kids here today that need to look their parents in the eyes and say, I love you. There are parents that need to look their kids, brothers and sisters that need to be restored, relationships. And I believe God wants to start that move inside of each and every one of us.
But before we take some time to look inside in these areas and just ask God to work in our hearts and let his love just fill us, I want to challenge, if you are here this morning and you are away from God, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know that if you were to die today, if you would live forever in heaven with Jesus, we want to take care of that first. We need to, we need to establish that relationship with you and your heavenly Father. And so with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, please. If you're here this morning and you are not certain of your salvation, if you don't know for sure that Jesus is your Savior, I want you just to slip up your hand if that's something you desire right where you are. Just slip it up so I can see it and you can put it back down. Who this morning would be responding to the Lord in this manner? Just slip up your hand right where you are. Anyone at all? I want to give time to respond. Anyone? The Holy Spirit's moving in your life. You need to restore that relationship. Get started back on the right track. I could have your eyes here just for a second. Life is hard, isn't it? There are a lot of hurting people, a lot of hurt relationships. It's not easy to take the high road and to go to someone that maybe has hurt you deeply. Or maybe you've hurt someone and you know it. And you say, well, that relationship, it doesn't even matter. Well, I believe it does matter. If the Holy Spirit brings a relationship into your mind where there needs to be some love, could we have the courage to face those people, to make a phone call, to set up an appointment, write a letter, to maybe ask for forgiveness, to say I love you, to maybe to show it. If you were to lose everything, I believe love would motivate us motivate you to rebuild but it's your choice I can't force you to make that connection this morning I want to close with a time of just worshiping and asking the Holy Spirit to show us areas in our lives where we need to exhibit a little more love for some of you it may come very easy for some others it may be the hardest thing in the world to say, I love you. I don't know if you've noticed, I've been saying I love you a little bit more these days <laughs> to, to people. and It's important. I want you to know, I want you guys to know that I love you. And it's not always the natural thing, but I'll tell you, it's important. And God wants his love, Romans 5.5, 5, 
to come through us to infect the world. I want us to stand this morning. Father, I pray in this moment that this simple message would make a big impact in many people's hearts, in many people's lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take a good assessment in our lives. First, in our relationship with you, how are we doing? Has our love for you at other times been greater? And if so, what discipline or what, what thing could we do to show you our love? And Lord, could we learn to say, I love you more? I hope so. And Lord, with others, with other relationships, God, I pray that you would help us, that you would heal relationships this week. Even today, God, put it in our hearts to make a phone call, to set up an appointment, to write a letter, Lord, to make things right for your glory, for your honor. And Lord, I pray that there would be no one here that would be so proud that, there'd be, that they would resist this in their lives. God, I pray that the walls would come down and that you indeed would be our healer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together and let just the Holy Spirit infect your life in such a way that he would challenge you to take a move in one of these areas. Amen? Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You hold my every moment. You calm my agency. Good. 